Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel. And I'm Harrison. This week, we're talking about weeks 9 through 12 of pregnancy and how we told our families that we're having a baby. So stay tuned and join us on our journey to meet Meet baby baby H. Welcome back, everyone. We are having so much fun recording our journey to meeting our sweet baby. We've mentioned that this podcast is just a fun way for us to look back on our lives, but if we can make this more applicable for others, we'd love to. We'd love to hear your feedback. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at 1022productions, send us a direct message, or leave us a review wherever you're listening. Now let's get back to meeting baby age. As we get closer to the end of the first trimester, we want to do a quick check-in on where the baby is now. So at the beginning of week 9, the baby is about the size of an olive, and towards the end of week 12, they'll grow to the size of a lime. They'll weigh about half an ounce, and by the end of week 12, all of the essential organs are going to be completely formed. And now the baby is just working on growing, getting a lot bigger, and gaining some strength so they can start opening and closing their hands and maybe start moving around a little bit. Yeah, they're still really small, um, but when you think about it, they're doubling in size almost every week at this point. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that in just 9 to 12 weeks that so much stuff is able to grow and that almost all of the things that they're going to need to function have started. They're still going to get bigger as they continue to grow, but it's pretty cool that it doesn't take very long. So some of the symptoms I was dealing with was the nausea and vomiting, like I mentioned in one of the previous episodes. Um, I did end up getting some medicine for that, which we really talked about a lot um, because there is some controversy around the medicines that are used to treat nausea in early pregnancy. There's a lot of things just in early pregnancy that doctors are hesitant to prescribe or really just have a mom do in general because they're worried that it's going to affect the development of a baby. What's pretty insane is that Pregnancy is such a well-documented thing that so many people in the world have gone through, but doctors don't know 100% everything that goes on, so they don't really have all of the answers. The biggest thing that they know is your body was made for that, so they'd rather just let your body do everything that it was supposed to naturally if you can. Yeah, and because of ethics issues, they don't want to test out a lot of those things or experiment with different medicines. It's really just a need by need situation. And I think for us, it came down to, I really was not enjoying myself. I was not feeling good. And we decided that I would take the medicine, but um, try to limit it to when it was pretty severe. The medicine that they prescribe for Rachel is called Zofran. And it's used for a wide variety of different things, but mainly for nausea, for pregnancy and people that are going through chemotherapy. And there's not a whole lot of documented downsides to the medicine, but it's still one of those things that you don't want to take it a whole lot because if there's even a small chance that it's going to affect the development of your baby, you really don't want to mess with that. So it's confusing because there's been a couple studies every two years for the past five to 10 years or so. And the first one was like, no, it's fine. You can take it. The second one was, well, we think there might be a risk for maybe a a heart issue or maybe a cleft palate or cleft lip. And then later, like more present, there was a study that said, no, we can't really find evidence of that again. And we did discuss how we felt about those things. And for a cleft situation, we knew that it could be repaired with 
surgery very early in their life. Yeah, and you don't want to walk into that situation if you can't, but we are just talking about what are the drawbacks, you know, weighing the pros and cons of do you take this medicine or do you not? And at the end of the day, we decided that we would rather have a kid that had an issue because of this medicine than not have a kid at all because they're not getting the nutrients that they need to grow. And I think that you just have to decide, you know, what are the downsides of each option? Really, like with the medicine, it was either Rachel can't keep any food in her stomach that the baby's going to use to grow, or Rachel takes this medicine that there's a very slim chance that there's some issue, but there's still a chance. And these decisions are so hard, and I don't know, it just really weighs on you when everything that you do affects somebody else. Yeah, but around 10 weeks, Rachel's nausea kind of backed down a little bit. So it wasn't as bad, and Rachel was able to take that medicine very rarely. But there were a couple other symptoms that she was dealing with. Yeah, I was having some breast tenderness, which is pretty typical, constipation. Um, My legs were falling asleep. I was having just like blood flow, wasn't quite getting all where it needed to be. Still some cravings and aversions, but overall, I would say it was a pretty normal. Yeah, there wasn't, we don't really have anything else to gauge it off of, so we can't really say whether it is normal or not, but if Rachel was not having a very nauseous day, you could kind of just completely forget because there weren't a whole lot of other symptoms other than Rachel was just eating a little bit weird. We did do a little bit of traveling in this time, and because Rachel had a lot of leg tinglingness, we did talk to the doctor about something to consider when you travel because we were about to take a six, seven-hour car ride. Yeah, and basically what she said is make sure that you take breaks. Um, If you feel like you need a break, take a break. Like, don't feel like you need to keep going because it's not about that anymore. It's about comfort and Um, So for us, we just made sure we stopped every two hours, used the bathroom, walk around, and it was fine. Yeah, it kind of worked out because most of the time when we travel, the very first chunk, we're able to take it a long time. It's normally like three or four hours without stopping. And then after that, we stop every two hours. So we really didn't have to change a whole lot. And when Rachel wasn't driving, it was a lot of just her extending her feet out and just moving around a little bit, not sitting in the same position the entire time. Yeah. So we did have some appointments during this time. One of those was an ultrasound at 10 weeks. And this was elective, which means it was not done by our doctor. We went somewhere private and had to pay. It wasn't covered by insurance or anything. And it was called a reassurance scan. And basically all they can do is show you the baby, show you the heartbeat, and that's it. Yeah, it's really just there to give you a little bit of reassurance that your baby is still there and that they're still growing. And one of the crazy things that we've learned a lot going through this is that you really don't have a whole lot of ultrasounds throughout a pregnancy. In a normal pregnancy, if you're just going to the doctor's office, you have three ultrasounds, one in each trimester. And that's all fine, but we were really worried about miscarriage and we were thinking about when are we going to tell our families and we knew that we wanted to make sure that our baby was still growing right before we told a few more people because we just wanted a little bit of extra reassurance. And there's a type of miscarriage that is called a missed miscarriage where the baby stops growing or dies in your womb and you have no 
bodily symptoms, so spotting or cramping, there's no evidence that something is wrong. And so for us, we were willing to pay that extra little bit of money to have that reassurance that everything was okay. Yeah, it wasn't really bad. It's not like a huge medical bill. It was less than $50. And you basically just go to this place that it's a private establishment, and it's usually an ultrasound technician that doesn't work at a hospital for a wide variety of reasons. And they take you back, and it is the exact same ultrasound that they would do when you're at your doctor. And except that they can't tell you extra medical things. They can't tell you if there's something wrong because they can't deal with the liability of what happens because of that. Yeah. And we found out at this appointment that the heartbeat was 179 beats per minute, which is very high. I think the typical range goes up to 170 and they say it can go up to 200, but we'd really like to see it under 170. So we were pretty concerned after that appointment. When a baby is growing, you expect their heart rate to be high. It's way faster than an average adult or even a child's heart rate. And so you kind of knew that it was going to be high. But when we looked up the heartbeat after the fact, it was on the higher end of the spectrum. And we were just a little bit concerned about that. And basically what we have found is that there's not really a whole lot of reason to be concerned in the first trimester if the heart rate is high. You just want to see that after the first trimester, maybe around your 12-week appointment or later, that the heartbeat starts going down. One of the other things that we did find is that while we were at that ultrasound, you could see the baby moving around a lot. They were very active, lots of rolling around. And just like an adult, when you're running around, your heartbeat gets higher because you're moving, you're doing a lot of stuff. And that still applies for a baby. So we assumed that that's why their heartbeat was higher. And hands down, seeing them move on the screen was the best part of that appointment. Yeah, there's a lot of tips and tricks people have out there of like things you can do to get your baby to move for an ultrasound. And Rachel has not done any of them. And every time we've gone and gotten an ultrasound, except for the one at eight weeks when they can't really move at all, they have been very active. Yeah. Our next appointment after that was our 12 weeks doctor appointment. And this was right before we were about to go on our trip. And so we had some questions about travel and things that I should be looking out for while we were gone. It was really nice that we got a little check-in um, to hear the heartbeat. They used a Doppler instead of an ultrasound, so we got to hear the heartbeat from the outside. And I think that was the first time that we actually heard the heartbeat that wasn't like a digital recreation. Yeah, when we went in for that reassurance scan at 10 weeks, they were able to do a digital recreation of the heartbeat through the ultrasound, but it's not their actual heartbeat. Whereas the Doppler, you can actually hear their true heartbeat. And we were really excited to hear that it had dropped down. It had dropped from about 179 at 10 weeks down to 160 at 12. Yeah. And so that was a really good sign that their heartbeat was just high because they were moving around and we were early on. Yeah, it was really reassuring that it dropped. And they were able to use a Doppler at the 12-week appointment. And because we had been talking a lot about just getting some additional reassurance because we were worried about miscarriages, we did look at options for ways that you could hear their heartbeat at home. And there are a lot of home Dopplers that you could buy online, but we ended up deciding not to do that because 
um, commercial Dopplers are not regulated the way medical Dopplers are. When you go into a clinic or a hospital, they have to meet all of these specifications so that you know that their Dopplers work. And when it comes to the commercial market, anybody could call it a Doppler even if it doesn't work. And if we had an at-home Doppler and could not find the heartbeat, it would just be a lot of additional stress and anxiety that we don't really need. Right. I did end up buying a stethoscope, um, which I have not gotten to work yet. So stay tuned on that. We're kind of experimenting and it's kind of funny. Yeah. They say that a stethoscope won't work until like 20 weeks. So we still have a long ways to go from that. Yeah. Well, we decided around eight weeks that we were going to tell our parents. Um, and for me, I really wanted to think about how we could kind of make it not suspicious when we were going to call our families and tell them. And so I was thinking of ways that it would seem just like any other call. And so for my parents, I had been regularly FaceTiming my mom because we were looking for a new place. And she really enjoys that. So we would FaceTime her and kind of do a little walkthrough of different spaces that we were looking at. It was probably about a week of every single day us just calling Rachel's mom out of nowhere and doing a FaceTime chat just to say, hey, look at this place. And the really amazing thing is that every single time she would answer. <laughs> yeah, we laugh about it a lot because we are 100% the people that if you're going to call us, text us first. You know, text us, see if we're available, and then call. If you call me and you have not texted me beforehand, there's a huge chance that I may be available and may choose to just not answer it. <laughs> and Rachel's parents are not this way at all. You could call them whenever you want and they will just pick up. Yeah. And so we decided that the night after our eight-week appointment, we saw that everything was okay. We were going to FaceTime my parents. So... I just started out the call like any other thing, just was like, hey, what's up? What's going on? And then I was like, I want to show you something. And she's like, okay, let's see it, thinking it's a house. And I flipped the screen around and it was our ultrasound pictures that we had gotten that day. And they were so excited um, and shocked because we had said we were going to wait five years. And so there were a lot of questions and a lot of excitement. It was just a really fun evening. For my parents, it wasn't quite as planned that we were actually going to tell them when we did. We were just doing a regular check-in phone call. We were about to take a trip to where my family lives, and so we were just kind of trying to iron out some of the details. We also had just decided that we were not going to sign our lease again and that we were going to be moving, so we decided to share that. And while we were talking with them, Rachel and I were writing down some notes back and forth and just decided that we might as well tell them now that we're having a kid. It was really funny because I kept getting up from the table and we're on like a video call so they could see that I'm getting up and down and I'm like grabbing the pregnancy test or like anything that we would want to show them to be like, oh, we're having a baby. Yeah, it was just kind of funny. We really weren't sure that we were going to tell them and we didn't have any of the stuff to really surprise them with it. And we ended up telling them probably in the most cringy way. I ended up saying that we had just come home from an ultrasound appointment or something like that. It was so awkward. It did not even come out as like Rachel's pregnant. You would have had to have like two and two. And my poor brother who's in high school is sitting there and probably has <laughs> no clue what's going on at all. 
but my parents were able to put the pieces together. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny seeing the different reactions from all three of them. <laughs> yeah. And I just think that telling people that you're pregnant is just weird. But after we told our parents, we decided to wait another two weeks before we told our siblings. And that's kind of why we went and got that 10-week elective ultrasound, just to check in and see if everything was okay. We really thought that we were going to wait until the end of the first trimester because the chances of miscarriage dramatically drops. But the timeline just got pushed up a little bit. Yeah, it seems to have been pretty common with us, but it worked out better for us and we were happy to get to share the news with everyone. Yeah. So for my siblings, we decided to tell them at my brother's birthday party. We were all just kind of planning to get together anyway. And my mom had an idea to get a cake that said baby H coming fall of 2022. And when we brought out the cake for my brother, that would be the cake that we would bring out. And it was kind of strange. Um, my brother was in on it. He got to know a little bit before the rest of my siblings. But since Harrison and I were in town and we're not regularly at the family dinner, the rest of the family wanted to come over and talk with us earlier in the day. But we had to go pick up the cake, but nobody could come with us to pick up the cake. So it was just kind of this awkward like, oh, we're going to go get Noah's birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, we really hijacked his birthday party. And I mean, he was OK with it, but we spent most of the night trying to figure out how do we get the cake? How do we keep it so that nobody can see it? And how do you bring it out? So Rachel's mom put the cake in the fridge downstairs in the basement where no one would have any good reason to be poking around. And we actually started singing before the cake was there. And it did not take long at all for people to start reading that cake. I think there were some little decorations on top, like a little binky or something. And my other brother immediately saw that and ran over to read what the cake said. And so I don't think we finished the happy birthday song. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think that the song got finished. Everyone was just really excited about the news and just wanted to talk about it, which was really fun. Yeah. So thank you, Noah, for letting us steal your birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To tell my siblings, it wasn't quite as exciting of a story. My um, younger brother was already at home, so he actually found out before the rest of my sibling. And for my older sister, she's actually a photographer, so we were on a phone call with her because I was about to help her take some photos, and she was actually going to do a photo shoot of Rachel and I. And we decided that we were going to tell her the news because she was able to turn that photo shoot into announcement photos for us. Yeah, and so I think we said something like, oh, we have an idea of some props we want to use for our photo shoot. And we had this little onesie that said, Baby H, fall 2022. And her and her husband were both pretty shocked. Yeah, it was really fun because every single person, we kind of had a guess before we told them what we thought they were going to do. And almost every single one of them was right. I think the only one that was not 100% right was my younger sister. I really didn't think that she would be as excited as she was, and it was really just kind of fun to see her response. But really, for everybody else, I think we were pretty spot on with guessing how they reacted. Yeah, we're getting pretty good at figuring out people's responses. <laughs> and as far as our grandparents, mine were at uh, my brother's birthday party, so they found out that night. And then we had some phone calls with Harrison's grandparents and told them around the same time as everybody else. Yeah, so we really told everybody pretty quickly. And after that, we decided that past our grandparents, 
It was just going to get to people as it got to them. We weren't going to make a huge post. We weren't going to send out cards or anything. It was just going to spread as it spreads. And the night of the birthday party, when we told everybody, it did not take long. I think like seconds after Rachel's grandparents knew, they both had phones in their hands and were calling their friends to talk about it. That and my mom was texting everybody. (laughs) Yeah. So we knew that the news was going to spread really, really quickly throughout Rachel's family. And for my family, we actually have an internal group on Facebook that we all kind of keep up with each other. So after we did our photo shoot with my older sister, we were able to just post a picture. Yeah. But other than that, we're just letting people find out by word of mouth like they did in the good old days. With the end of week 12, we're getting really close to the end of the first trimester, and Rachel is really ready for most of her symptoms to calm down. Next time, we are going to talk about prenatal testing and whether we decided to do it or not. There are a lot of pros and cons and costs to consider, so we'll hope you'll tune in. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.